Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. A couple housekeeping items before we get into the interview. Like I mentioned on my last episode, we are starting a book club. The first book is going to be The Runner's Guide to the Meaning of Life by Ambie Burfoot. Uh, He has actually agreed to come on the podcast, which I'm super excited about. I'm going to talk to him about his book, about his life, about all the lessons he's learned through the years from running and then just life broadly. If you haven't read the book, I would highly recommend it. Uh, I finished it a couple days ago. It's only about 150 pages, but he packs a lot into those 150 pages. It's cool to see how he's able to connect uh, the principles of running to, like I said, the principles of life more broadly. I'm excited to yeah, just to hear about more about his life and discuss the book with him. So he actually, I think he just arrived in Mexico. Uh, he's doing a little bit of traveling. So once he settles in, we're going to record the episode. So I think it should release uh, sometime in the next week or two. So if you haven't read the book, I would highly recommend. Uh, it would be cool to, to hear from the author as well. So looking forward to that. Uh, we are going to continue with the book club. And the next book that we will read is... Uh, it's called Reader, <laughs> Readers. It's called Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Uh, it's a book I read right when I graduated college, and it has greatly transformed the way I view leadership and culture and just uh, servant leadership in general. So I'm excited to to read that again. I think it'll be a, a cool book to read together. Uh, so if you want to join me for that book, feel free to get that one as well. And then as always, if you guys have any uh, feedback, any ideas for the podcast, anything at all, feel, feel free to contact me. My email will be in the show notes. Um, but yeah, we're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep with the book club, keep with the interviews. Uh, I'm excited to just continue to bring value to you guys and then just learn from uh, all the different talented and amazing people that make our sport great in the, the state of Indiana. So that is all for housekeeping and we will get on to the interview. The following is an interview with Colin Altavote. Colin is the head boys cross country and distance coach for Carmel High School. During part two of this interview, we finished covering Colin's coaching journey and then discussed coaching for a big school and Indiana runner. I enjoyed hearing Colin's thoughts on big school coaching and how Indiana runner has evolved through the years. Uh, It was fun getting to talk to him without being interrupted by 150 high school boys. So I appreciate Colin coming over to the dark side of the podcast. Uh, but as always, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you Colin Altavote. Yeah. Um. Could you kind of walk us through your your coaching journey um, from those those early days as an assistant for Weinheimer all the way up till I guess till now um, and any like lessons you've learned things you've taken away from your different stops maybe I kind of touched on Avon but yeah so I was in two thousand seven I was a sophomore in college and I was uh, just a volunteer assistant at Columbus North. Um, for the boys and the girls. Actually, I, I always thought that I would be, I guess this is the one thing that, that maybe didn't necessarily go exactly according to the plan I would have thought when I was uh, 18 or 20 or 22. Mm-hmm. I always thought I would be a girls distance running coach. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And when I was at Columbus North, um, I was an assistant for the girls and the boys. And um, my junior year, the girls were the girls every single year I was there either had a had a better or tied placing at the state meet as the boys. Um, and so the girls were seventh the first year that I coached. They were sixth the next year and, and so close to getting second. And then both the boys and the girls won my senior year of college, which would have been 2009. Um, so I, I do remember one year I was like, this would have been my junior year. And I was in Franklin to take summer school classes because I was in a program that was going to be licensed in two different content areas. So it was supposed to take four and a half years. And I was like, I got to, I'm not, I'm not going to school for an extra year. So um, <laughs> I, I did summer school classes and I was like, I'm just going to train like a kid on the team. And I just trained like a, like a boy on the team. Mm. Um, and I got in really, really good shape. And then my senior year, I was like, I'm going to train and help the girls, hmm. the top boys. Then the team was so good that I was like, I don't know, even, even being at that point, a 22 year old man, I don't know that I can keep up with a lot of those. And that year we had our sixth boy at the state meet was 29th. Uh, so that was a pretty good team. And yeah. I really, I ran with a lot of those girls um, and, and helped them to train. And then I, graduated college I interviewed at a few different places one of them which was Columbus North I didn't get that job I found out later that the job that I interviewed for they gave it to the principal's son <laughs> well, so I, yeah I probably wasn't going to get that one yeah <laughs> um, and I ended up at Avon and I taught English and Spanish even though I didn't go to college for English they I could just add it. I took a couple of tests, whatever. And I was like, I speak English. So I took this test and I <laughs> um, you know, read a couple of books or whatever. And I, I passed right. it English and Spanish. And that was a, I mean, I was, I was, I loved having a job and my girlfriend at the time was um, a senior in college. Um, my, you know, my ex-girlfriend now only because we're married. So it's a weird <laughs> way to describe your wife, but it is, it is uh, accurate. <laughs> Um, so she was still in school. So I, you know, I, I like to still be in the indie area and, um, I went and I got the job. It was probably July. I started yeah, emailing with the girls coach, girls and the boys coach. Um, and the girls coach was like, well, we, uh, I, I don't remember if they had an opening. If they did, I, I, I split a contract up like three, two or three ways with different people. Mm -hmm. But, um, I started going to stuff in the summer uh, not even the summer, like the season had started and I just would run with him. And this is Brad Rosebrock who, who coached there for years. And I was kind of saying, well, you know, this is what they would, he wanted to know, well, what they do at Columbus North, whatever. And I think within like three or four practices, he was like, well, if you want to do this, I'll let you kind of write the training and, and do all of that. Um, which, you know, that's, you want to talk about like getting your 10,000 hours and getting your reps. I mean, Brad, he'd been the coach there for a while. I don't know if he saw something in me or just wanted to try something out or um, we're still really good friends. Uh, he's the head boys track coach at Zionsville now mm -hmm. um, and was an assistant at Carmel for one season in cross country. Uh, we needed somebody to fill in for one season. And um, he let me, he let me run the team meetings. He let me write all the training. He let me do, you know, all of that from, from right away. And then, uh, that the that whole um, 
that whole fall and then that that whole spring and then um and then stephanie chenwith who was the track coach at avon at the time i think she still teaches at avon she was a star basketball player at butler um oh. in college but but was a track coach and never i don't think she ever coached uh, high school basketball um i i would guess she'll probably she might want to get into that um she's got younger kids but maybe when they're out of out of high school um she let me do whatever I wanted so I coached the 400 I coached the 800 I coached we set it some of the the girls set some of the school records while I was there but I knew like in April or whatever that I wasn't I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna come back Mm. um and that was actually that was tough the next year Avon girls made the state meet um and hadn't they hadn't made it they hadn't made it for a long time I don't think they'd made it I think the, the the kids that were on the team the last time the Avon girls had made it were older than me. Oh, oh. Although I guess I guess it's not that long ago because at that point I was only 22. So okay. 23. So I think they were a few years old. I think it was like 2000. So it was like a, there was like a, okay. a 10, 11, 12 year gap in there. Um, and then I got a part-time job, what's considered to be a part, there's no real part-time jobs in education, but you only taught so many classes. So you got paid 75% of a contract. And um, I, I was, it had been a girls coach at Avon. So I had emailed uh, Mark Ellington, who's the girls coach at Carmel mm-hmm. um, about it. And um, to like, uh, could I volunteer or whatever? And then it they had an opening on the boys side and I just ended up taking it and I taught at the middle school. And so that, I got that job in the summer. I went to some of the summer stuff. And that first year I was kind of giving uh, Earhart advice. Earhart Bell was the coach. Um, mm-hmm. He was a coach for four or five years after Kepin. I was giving him some advice. Um, and, uh, but he was still kind of doing the training. And then it's kind of the same thing. At the end of that season, I was like, Columbus North that year, the boys had won for the third year in a row. Mm-hmm. So they won the last year that I was, a volunteer assistant there not because of me i mean I'm just, the, the, this is where the timelines set, yeah yeah uh, set up and they won the year that i coached at avon the boys did and i think that year the boys were third the year that i was at avon i think the columbus north boys were third at nike and then that next year um they were fifth and um, that was 2011. Carmel boys were third at the state meet and lucky to get third. We, we could have been fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Third was the best we were going to do that day. And at the end of the season, I just said, well, you know, I'm very familiar with the system. If, you know, if you want some idea what they're doing, I got a, I got a pretty good idea. Um, in that track season, he did what Brad had done, which was he, he gave me a, a, a long runway and said, go ahead. And, and I started coaching and we started, you know, doing the, the Pavo system. Um, and actually it wasn't by Carmel standards. That was not a, a, a super strong track season. Um, but we did the same thing. And then the next fall we won in 2012 and then in 2013, we were fifth at, at NXN. So, mm. you know, you see, you could see results, pretty quickly yeah so your time at avon um getting kind of getting thrown into the fire did like designing training and coaching like did it come pretty easily and like did you yeah. enjoy it yeah 
um, you know, it's a little different. It's it's a lot different from what I'm doing now. But I think the one the one thing that I found out, and this is stay tuned. You're gonna come to the coaches clinic, hear me do my presentations, which is when you've got a plan laid out and you see it through, and especially when you when you start going to this PPM program and this PPM method, and you're allowing the kids to teach themselves how to run hard for an extended period of time, which takes time, they're going to see results pretty quickly. And it's not something that anybody would do on their own, mm. but you see results pretty quickly. And I remember, especially our, our top two girls got a lot better mm. and they were both pretty into it. And then the next year they made it, Avon made it to the state meet um and and they were doing that program at that point um and that's that's how brad was training them um there were three girls there were three girls that were on the team the year before and the rest of them were incoming freshmen so that's you know it's it's not like it was all just oh we've got this secret method and and we're going to come in and they're going to be way better there's a, obviously there's a there's an amount of I don't want to luck seems trivial, but there's an amount of good fortune that they did bring in this girl that was one of the best girls in the state right away. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a girl that uh, had run track for us that hadn't run cross country the year before. So that's kind of, I think that was maybe kind of four of their four of their five or certainly four of their seven that had been on the, on the track team the year, the year before. Um, and obviously things ended up really well for me, but there was, there was a huge part of me that I remember at the time Kathleen was like, Oh, well, you sad, you know, and you've got to find a new job. And I was like, I can find a new teaching job, but I don't know that I'm, you know, I I'm distraught over losing this coaching job. I don't know that mm. I'll ever find another coaching job like this at Avon where I've kind of come in and I've made a difference and I've connected with all of these, um, these, students and these families and mm -hmm. obviously obviously that wasn't the case it obviously worked out um <laughs> over the over the long term but there was definitely a part of me in 2011 as an assistant at carmel that's just kind of there at that point and i'm 24 um and so it's easy it's easy to kind of connect and interact with the kids but i'm not necessarily coaching I'm giving advice, but I'm not coaching the way that I was coaching at Avon. And I wasn't coaching the way that I coached, you know, mm. every year since then, that was just kind of wistful, like, man, I, you know, if you guys just would have voted yes on this referendum, I could still be there. <laughs> right. Coming out of college, did you have like an, uh, maybe a dream school or like some schools that you wanted to end up at eventually yeah. or? Yeah. 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 Carmel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's the up. biggest, it's the biggest school. It's, I remember saying that to Kathleen, my wife, who was my girlfriend then like, <laughs> Hey, well, you know, if I do a good job, um, at, at Avon, you know, I don't know, maybe the head coaching job comes open or 
you know, maybe I, I could eventually become the coach. She was like, why, what is it? Why Carmel? What? And I was like, what's well, the biggest school. It's the chance to work with the most amount of kids mm. um, and have the biggest impact. Cause it's, it's the biggest, it's the biggest school. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, what are some, I don't know, maybe one, two, three lessons that you've learned through the years that maybe you tell young coaches or you'd go back and tell yourself or. Well, I've got, I've got my stuff, you know, my, one of my presentations is like just the overall Carmel program. Mm -hmm. And I go through the stuff that's like, okay, what, what's different about Carmel that I, from what I know, and I'm not at other practices, you know, I'm not entirely sure what's different about our program from most programs or what would I advise? Mm -hmm. Um, and those the the main tenets of that would be uh, we work out less often. I think a lot of programs, it's like probably part of it, a lot of it comes down to and I you know, you're you're there most of the time if parking situation avails itself for the team meetings. And I say <laughs> yeah. to the guys you guys do a good job of running and training and doing what we tell you to do when we don't have practice, which means we don't feel like we need to have practice all the time, which is mm -hmm. good for the coaches because we don't necessarily need to make ourselves available every day of winter break, every Friday in the summer, every Saturday morning in the summer. Mm -hmm. And it also means that you aren't expected to make yourselves available every Saturday at 8.30. I think a lot of programs don't necessarily trust or haven't established with their kids the value of doing that running on a random Saturday in July. And so they feel like, one, they need to meet a lot. Mm -hmm. Um I'm not at every practice. I, I don't know if it's good for your kids to meet six days a week. It might be good for your kids to meet four days a week. And then the other days they can kind of meet together in small groups or just run on their own as, you know, as their schedule dictates. So they're not feel bad if their they, parents want to travel somewhere and they're like, well, we have practice. Mm -hmm. um, and we work out a lot less often. Cause I think a lot of schools, it's like, the season's starting. We got to work out three times a week because we're behind because we haven't, who knows what they've been doing. <laughs> um, right. We work out. We work out a lot less often. Um, we probably run a little more, which we can afford to do because we're working out less often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's harder? What's harder on your body? A long run especially as a 17, 18 year old, a long run that might be 60 to 70 minutes or a track meet. Well, the track meet, I only ran four miles. Well, you ran two events. That's, that's pretty tough. You know, you do right. four, four hundreds in your spikes with a one mile warm up and a one mile cooldown. Like, that's only three miles. Your long run is 12. <laughs> that is substantially harder on you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I've kind of come to realize that. And then the other thing is, um, the, the big thing would be how much we try to involve as many kids as want to be involved. Mm. And, you know, at the state meet, 
there's there's pictures of our boys at the state meet with the trophy and stuff after the fact and the girls went first this year boys went second so once we got once they announced the top five teams and we were first you kind of had the run of the place right like afterwards um Mm -hmm. there's a there's pictures of our boys that came to that meet holding up like you know only one guy's got the trophy or whatever so i you know cole or charlie or connor is holding it up and there's all the boys that came there getting their picture taken and it's like 60 or 70 dudes Mm -hmm. and finding a way so that all of the kids can have a good experience and i you know i hear coaches saying well you know i can't wait to get down to the tournament roster i can't wait to Mm -hmm. um you know be be down to the or well we'll allow more than just the the 12 on the tournament roster or 18 or 14 or whatever we're keeping but we're going to have standards and they have to have run into these times and i i i'm just like i wouldn't i wouldn't advise that I wouldn't advise if you want to have the best atmosphere. We were walking around. I think I think you were with us, and um, I heard a kid from a, another school um, walking. Two kids were talking. Their their team was at the meet. They weren't necessarily a contender, but they're at the meet. And this kid was like, "I am so tired of seeing these kids. I swear, if I see one more kid from Carmel, mm. I'm gonna <laughs> lose it." <laughs> because we yeah. every team had 10 kids there you know the seven kids that were running and some of the alternates and maybe a couple other you know their siblings were there or whatever a couple of kids that were really into it that went and we had 70 or 80 boys on our team that were there and that level of support and the experience that it gives all of the kids is huge and that's that's why they have public education yeah I think- you know what for basketball they can't do that you can't you can't have that many kids. If every kid that wanted to play basketball could be on the basketball team at Carmel High School, they wouldn't be able to have a practice. They wouldn't be able <laughs> yeah. to fit them all into a gym. But in cross country and distance running, we're not limited um, space wise, venue wise, whatever. And I mean, there's some limitations, obviously, on supervision. Um, and we you know we have four paid coaches, the head coach and, and three assistants, and we we typically have volunteers as well. Um, but trying to give them the best experience as possible. And a lot of the kids, the experience that they want is I just want to show up to practice and you tell me what to do and I do it and I go in and run the meets and that's it, um, which is fine. But if you give them all the full experience or the best you can to give them the full experience, I think you might be surprised how many of them want to do it. And I know there's coaches at smaller schools with only 12 kids on the team like, yeah, duh, why are you saying that? Yeah, but Obviously it's different with you know 120 or 160 than than 12 yeah no I, I totally agree i think this is another aspect of our program that i enjoy the most i think about a guy like gavin tosh who went from maybe high 19s at the beginning of the season to yeah. like low 18s which put him i don't know maybe the 30s or 40s on the team but like on a normal team he would have stopped before the tournament but he kept training like all the way through an XR and like now he's set up for a good track season, set up for a good cross country season next year. That like extra month of training and being around the top 14 while they're in that tournament mindset and getting a taste of that. I think it's, I don't know, there's right. very and little drawback. And getting to run those track time trials. And, yeah. and from what I've seen, 
not that we don't have any kids that might on occasion drive the coach nuts and they might occasionally do something in October or November, October, really. Cause I mean, that's when the tournament's going that um, we'd be like, okay, you're not supposed to be doing that, mm-hmm. but they'll, they'll kind of live up to the expectations that, that you set. And after all of these years too, there's also kind of a positive a positive peer pressure. And that's the number one thing that I've worked on that I maybe am the most proud of is how many of our kids that are, that are pretty into it. Um, you know, I, as a percentage, I don't know what, what percentage of them are, are pretty into it. Uh, it, it it's not a hundred percent, obviously it's, it might not even be 50%, but, um, that there's a lot of kids that can get that experience and that it's not based, it's not based on a bill. I mean, Gavin is a perfect example of that. It's a kid that ran, you know, 21 minutes, probably as a freshman that ran 18 minutes or under set under 18 minutes as a, mm-hmm. as a junior, um, that, you know, normally he's the 30th, 40th, 50th best guy on the, on the team. Um, but there's, I remember saying, working with a coach at one point talking about the tournament roster and he had said, well, what are they going to like, what are they, what are they doing? You know, what are they doing for me? <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I said it to him or maybe just kind of said it later to, you know, to Derek or, or it would have been Taylor at that point um, to Derek or coach Weinheimer or somebody else to be like, that's backward. It's not what, what can they do for me? It's what can I do for them? You're the yeah. adult. This is, again, this is why we have public education and um, athletics at the high school level and distance running or really not distance running track and field and football are the two remaining stalwarts for high school athletics that there really isn't that big of a club issue there isn't that big of a Mm. club faction and we have this this great opportunity um not you know the very very top end i I suppose there is some of that but this is this is it all these other sports there's this huge club club aspect impacting the high school level Mm -hmm. um and it's it's in in some aspects of track it's there but but certainly not yet in distance running yeah what uh what motivates you as a coach or even like what keeps you going when uh maybe you're questioning your life choices <laughs> you know it's seven o'clock and uh i'm still at practice even though i got to school at 7 30 that morning yeah <laughs> I, you know i think i think giving them the experience and and the the kids on the team the experience and and then and then watching them improve i mean that's that's the main thing that that would, that's true for everybody, right? So we've had a lot of success um, on the on the state level over the last ten to twelve years, but we don't have much control over that. Mm-hmm. But we do have control over what we do, and you know, the guys getting so much better. I I think is part of it, and even that we don't have we don't have as much control or influence as we'd like to think. For instance, this fall was a really, really good weather year. And so, you know, we had, um, 
I think we had seven guys run under 16 minutes. Um, and then we had another five guys run like between 16 flat and like 16, 15. Mm-hmm. But last year and the year before were really bad weather years. Mm-hmm. So especially in cross country, if it's all about time that, you know, that, that can be, that can be tough. Uh, but at Carmel, there's a hundred, there were a hundred kids on the team this fall, which was by far the lowest number we've had in a, in a while. Um, we used, used, when I was the first year I was a head coach, it was a hundred. And then it, it, it clicked up to 160 and it stayed at about 160 for three years. And then since COVID it's kind of gone down and it was a hundred again this year. Um, but a lot of those kids are motivated by times. So we've got to find a way to put them in positions where they can't, you know, if we just go to, to courses that are really, really challenging all the time and they don't get a chance to, mm-hmm. to see what they can do and be like, Hey, that's cross country. Um, <laughs> I, you know, right. I, I don't know that we're really doing right by them in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. That's it's definitely a tough balance to find, especially with uh, how the state meet courses, like you want to prepare for it as much as you can, but yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's different. The kids that are going to run in the state meet or that have a chance to run in the state meet. I said this to the guys a lot this fall. And then they ended up, we just got a bunch of really nice days and they they did run fast, including on that on that course in Terre Haute. But like those kids, I don't I don't want to I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't I don't want to hear about the times. I don't like you guys are in a position where you can run in these big meets and compete and the times are irrelevant, mm-hmm. but I get it. I get it for Neil Fairman. Right. Right. The kid that's, he, um, he wasn't in the top 14. He was close, very close. Mm-hmm. He never got to run in the, in the tournament, but he wants to see how fast you can run. And so didn't he run like 17 two, like three times right. this year? Yeah, I mean, he ran like close to close to 17 minutes. But, you know, if we go to all all we ever go to is the old South Putnam course. It's 150 meters long and <laughs> has these giant hills in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there may not be as much interest in in cross country. And people say, well, it's just all you make it all about track and it's just all about times or whatever. Say, well, that's if that's what people value and we want to be honest, we don't want to go to places, you know, and cut. 150 meters off the course and, and call it your best time. Um, but I, 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 I see the value in that. And when you're the coach of that many kids, you've, you've got to think about doing the best you can, you know, for, for all of them and, and not just for the kid that might win, you know, footlocker nationals. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to move on to a couple of, or a handful of, kind of themed or specific questions but is there anything about your running history coaching history that we we missed or you wanted to talk about no i mean i think that you know it's been interesting (laughs) i i I think the one of my friends um that i'd gone to college with he had listened to some he's really into running um he's coached in the past uh, they move around for his wife's job. So um, he's not coaching now, but he listened to some podcasts and he listened to one guy. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but he was like, yeah, this guy reminds me of you. 
and uh gosh maybe it was a guy from sandberg he was like the guy basically readily admits like yeah i work hard uh i do the best i can but also like i've gotten really lucky hmm. and again i I, don't, I hate to use the word luck because it makes it sound trivial like um you know like it's just some sort of lottery or whatever but yeah there's there's obviously a good amount of good fortune that has led me to this spot like it's yeah. not all just merit like I, I understand that i was the head coach of the largest at the largest school in indiana which is in the perfect spot for distance right all the best many of the best not all the best schools but many of the best schools in the country in the most competitive area is the midwest because of um climate's part of it Mm -hmm. um just kind of general family dynamics and work ethic and things like that mm -hmm. um that you know and i'm the coach of of the school maybe the largest school in the high school in the country uh you know i'm like 26 or 27 yeah and but part I think of that's really good. that i was a teacher in the district that's you know i was a teacher at that high school and it was open that's yeah why they hired me i think it's really good perspective i've I feel similarly about my own life. Like I feel like I work hard and um, some of the opportunities that I've been given have been a result of that. But a lot of it's just like, how did I end up here? This just feels so, I well, don't know, so random. So I don't know. Life and, just, and you know, for me, a lot of it, certainly not all of it, um, but a lot of it comes down to the fact that this, and this is random. Derek Leininger was my high school assistant coach and he was you know he was older than me but not so old that we couldn't be friends mm. and that led me to being to meeting rick weinheimer and then the idea like hey maybe i should get into coaching oh derek knows coach weinheimer and derek just emails him and says hey do you remember this guy and that you know that's a lot of that is random mm -hmm. for sure uh, okay, so we're going to go to the first topic, which is we, we've kind of touched on some of these things throughout our conversation so far, but uh, first one is big school coaching. So we, we've had a couple, we had a small school panel a couple weeks ago um, and Derek Freeman on as well, who uh, coaches for a small school. And now that, not that these things are at odds in any way, you know, big school versus small school, but just different perspectives. So I'd love to hear um yeah your perspective on a couple of questions coaching for the biggest cross-country team in the state sure. um and you i think you've touched on this first question a little bit on other podcasts so feel free to share as much as you'd like but can you make the argument for and against a class system for cross-country well the argument for would be that it's it's not it's not fair for every school to try and compete in the same tournament when some schools have 400 kids and some schools have 4000 kids mm -hmm. and when you're searching for a reason as to why it's okay and your reasoning is the outcome of a basketball tournament that took place in 1954 <laughs> it's probably not a very good reason mm -hmm. 
And now I could just I could just hear Mike Slowball saying, now wait a minute, what about the Ashley Cross Country team of 1960? <laughs> and again, 1960, and things have changed, and this the big schools are becoming bigger. And they're collecting themselves in one particular area of the state. And I don't, things could, as we get into more working from remote locations, I could see things starting to fan out a little more, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that's the case. And I think that all of the growth is going to be that Carmel and Fisher's and Noblesville are going to stay pretty even. And Westfield and Fortville and Pendleton, I think it's still going to collect itself in Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. that's not necessarily fair. Now, the reason for a single class system would be that um, there's an individual aspect to the sport, and we'd like to crown an individual champion. Yep. And you can't really do that um, when you can't really do that when they're in separate races and the idea of a meet of champions is, is just dumb because then which one do we even get you know let's say we had a meet of, let's say this year we we did the big school competition and it would be the same schools that were at the state meet anyways right right and then um so then the next week we have a meet of champions and zionsville boys beat Carmel boys so well then who's the state champion right that's yeah like let's pick one day this is when we're going to do it so i mean the answer is a combined state finals with separate team scores um and live results Hmm. i like it uh so it looks like we're going to go to a 25 five uh three round tournament next year what are your your thoughts on this yeah that sounds good um (laughs) You know, a lot of the people I hear complaining, oh, this isn't fair to the small schools. 25 sectionals and 32 sectionals are not all that different. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I have seen the I have seen a proposal of broken down into certain schools by sectional and then leading to certain regionals. And I got to tell you, the it's not going to change all that much of, of who's advancing. Mm-hmm. Um and like Rick Sluter has said a lot, the, the reason that the IHSA is going to this is that they're just too, there's just, there's not enough participation among these various levels to do this. And I'm just, I'm just not, a lot of this talk that, well, if we went to a class system, it would um, increase participation at all of these small schools. I, I think theoretically that sounds great. I'm just not sure that in in actuality that that, that is the case. And the, the the other truth is that ball sports, team sports are just always going to be more popular than cross. Yeah. It's for just sure. you know, and and with the exception of, you know, our best kids are like we're going to run Cole could probably be a varsity basketball player if he wanted. Yeah. If, if that's what he would have decided when he came in as a freshman. But the rest of the kids, even the best kids in the state, like if they could be a varsity basketball player, 
they probably would be. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah. they, prob- they probably would be. And that's not to say that the best basketball players could run cross country and win. That's not the case. But basketball and football, if, you know, if it's offered, it's not offered at every school. And even soccer are, are probably going to be a little more popular than cross country. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cross country is also very popular in Indiana. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think that's that's just always going to be the reality. I mean, even not like thinking about when I was heading into high school, I was like so close to playing football just because it's, I don't know, you're a high schooler. It's the cooler sport. It's flashier. It's just, that's always going to be. Well, and, and it's it, like cross country. It's, well, I guess not every school is like this for cross country, but football for every school is, is no cut. Mm, true. I imagine it's no cut at Carmel. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, and, but the, the issue, what they, the issue with football or soccer is that participation is limited in cross country pers- participation is unlimited, mm-hmm. but also in cross country, you only need five to have a team versus, you know, in soccer, you need minimum 11. Yeah. You probably want to have more than that in football. You need minimum 11, but you obviously can't do it with 11. So. Yeah. And in the smaller school, like you, can also play other sports as well and like it when i was you know coming up and going to fishers like i had to choose a sport um so like a lot of the smaller schools i feel like a lot of kids have their toes in in different water and it's easy to get pulled away you know by a a different maybe a ball sport or whatever um if you're still playing it like simultaneously to running yeah it's just like yeah so many factors uh what are some unique challenges of coaching for the largest team in the state I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of kids. And the one thing that I've noticed, I mean, obviously the more kids you have on the team, the the better the chance of, of having a successful team, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot easier to find five stallions in 150 than it is in 50 or 15. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that the the thing that's been hard since COVID is that there are certain expectations that this is when practice is. And if you're going to be on the team, this is the window that our governing body has set out for mandatory practice. And you need to be there at every time we have a mandatory practice, which for cross country is after every day after school, from a week before school starts until your season is over. And if that's, you know, late September or October or whatever, that over the last couple of years, I think I've had a, more kids in the last two years than I did in the previous 10 years that I wasn't the head coach, I guess, for all those 10 years, but just the parents were like, Hey, he's got this two days a week. So he mm-hmm. won't be able to be there. And I had to be like, okay, then he can't be on the team if he can't. And I know not everybody's like that either. Cause I had at least one other coach. It's like, what do you care? Like, these aren't mm-hmm. your best kids, right? I'm like, no, of course not. It's, and I had a couple of parents that were really upset and were saying like linking articles from the NSAF about multi-sport athletes and that kind of thing. Um, that you know obviously you know doing multiple sports and first of all that's more aimed at like hey don't specialize when you're 10 and get a private baseball coach and only do that let your kid have fun 
-hmm. when your kid gets into high school you know it's like well he's on he's he's also playing hockey and we think it's important for him to do multiple sports Mm -hmm. well when it's hockey season then do hockey but if you're going to run cross country then you need you need to come and run and and be at the practices Mm -hmm. um and i think covid because there was just such a long period of time where we didn't necessarily have to be physically present that that has changed perspectives about and it if you miss basketball practice you miss basketball practice yeah if you miss track practice and we ran 45 minutes you could re- reasonably be expected to go home and to run for 45 minutes yeah and sometimes we'll have boys that are like hey i've got a doctor's appointment it's during but i'll go home and i'll run and i'm like cool whatever you know not a big deal now if it's three days a week now we've got an issue mm-hmm. um so i think that that's that's one of the harder things about it which is well they're on the team they do need to be here you know every day or or every day or almost every day and there can't be these uh, that that has changed over the last two or three seasons since you know since COVID since quarantine was over. Yeah, and I don't know for me, and I like I knew this coming in, but I thought I don't know I don't know what I thought, but I think for me it's the I feel like I have relationships with maybe twenty to thirty kids on the team where like I've had conversations with them and I run with them, but that's like thirty out of what a hundred and something probably a hundred this year. Um, it's just, it's so hard to have any type of relationship with all the kids. Like you do a really good job of getting to know all their names and trying to interact with them at least on a weekly basis or after they run, but it's just so hard to, to get to know all of them. I think that's the, I think that's the number one thing that, you know, obviously we're not taking like visitors to practice or whatever, but I think if someone were to come for a practice or a week's worth of practice. I think that's the number one thing that would surprise people is how much our coaches, you know, especially me, because I mean, it is my entire, you know, my career, mm-hmm. like how much we do know the kids, interact with the kids. And now, do I talk to every single kid on the team every single day? No, of course not. There's, you know, there, there was a season where we had 162 boys on the team, but knowing all their names, knowing enough about them to, to set forth an appropriate amount of training, um, you know, just being able to interact with all of the kids. I, I think people would be surprised by that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, what would you say to someone who says to you, anyone could be successful at a big school or big and wealthy school like Carmel? anyone any literally anyone <laughs> i mean i don't think steve prefontaine would be a very good coach of the carmel high school cross-country team <laughs> that's fair he's been dead since 1974 <laughs> I, yeah i mean i see i see some of that on like the message boards or whatever what the basis of that is well when you have a bunch of kids and a bunch of parent support you should be good well yeah <laughs> right <laughs> So sometimes I, I think I even posted this one time or maybe I said on a podcast, I think it was maybe with Josh, like there are some people that don't like me. Well, Derek would say there's some people that don't like me on, and it's merit-based and that's fair. 
Um, <laughs> you know, there's some people that just don't like me because of what I represent, which is the coach of this school that you get a, a lot of a lot of support, a lot of parent support, emotional support, financial support from the parents. And then of course, a lot of kids. Um, and that's true. Of course, that's true. Mm -hmm. They are still like, they do still come to your practices as 14 year old kids. And they need the same thing that almost any 14 year old kid would need. Mm -hmm. so uh could anyone be successful as the coach at carmel high school uh no could any good established coach if they're there long enough win the state championship yeah probably mm -hmm. probably and you know are there are there other coaches in the state who might be by some by some measurement or any measurement of better coach than me. Uh, yeah, probably it's a, you know, it's a relatively big state. It's like the 19th biggest state in the union. Um, is there anybody that would be a better coach for our distance runners this spring than me? No, because mm -hmm. I've been there for 10 years. I know these kids, I know their parents. I know, you know, I know both the Biltemeyer parents. I had the older daughter in, in, um, in Spanish one, when she was a freshman, like <laughs> you couldn't just bring somebody in that somehow knows more about uh, wicket drills and when to do repeat two hundreds. It's going to work better with Thomas Piltemar than I, that's, mm. I mean, it's, it's so much less about strategy and secret workouts. And it's so much more about continuity, calming influence mm. and, and just, working with each of the kids yeah do do any of those types of comments like bother you or get to you it used to it used to and then when i became a moderator on the message board <laughs> i am able to look at people's email addresses mm. <laughs> and when you lift I used to kind of think, well, these are just like weird, like high school kids or whatever. And a lot of them are high school kids um, who, you know, just by definition are, are weird because they're in high school. Um, and I can say that because, you know, I'm, I'm a weird, I was a weird high school kid at one point and I'm a weird adult now. Um, <laughs> Same. When you lift the cloak of anonymity, one mm -hmm. of the things I've noticed is that a while ago, someone did say something to me like that. Like there was some thread and I made some comment and he didn't like it. It was probably politically tinged or whatever. And um, the guy said to me, well, you, you know, if you wouldn't, if you weren't the, if you weren't the coach at Carmel, you wouldn't have any state championships, um, which I mean, we could argue semantics all day. What is having, I don't have any state championships. I, you know, I ran on a couple uh, relays at the state meet that uh, didn't win the state championship. Um, so <laughs> in that regard, I, I have, I have none. Um, and I noticed some of the people liking it. Mm. You, you like like the post or whatever yeah right some of them are area coaches and uh they do not you know you make your name and my name is colin as pretty obvious who i am and taylor's name is like greyhounds right and uh jason's name is like greyhound or jayhound or jason or something like that so people know who, who that is right these are people that do not want you they want to come on the message board and chop it up mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't want you to know who they are 
And since I've kind of started putting out little breadcrumbs as to who they may be, a lot of that has ceased. I have noticed that. That's pretty true, actually. Yeah, I haven't really seen those kind of comments recently. So the, if, if you got your bingo board, I think be marking this off. Rick Weinheimer would say, the driver of a race car going 200 miles an hour doesn't pay attention to the squawking of geese outside of the track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mic drop there. That's uh, funny. No, Did he actually say that? He said that, yes. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, this is a perfect transition then, actually, to topic number two. I want to talk about and we do you have to it's kind of late do you have to go <laughs> oh because there's school tomorrow <laughs> Choose spanish one please you <laughs> might you might you might want to chop this up into two or three parts i can show you how to do that if you want me to yeah that's that's probably a good idea okay this is my coming up on the longest one yet um okay i want to talk about indiana runner so if you and you can again share as much as you want um, for this question, but could you kind of walk us through the journey of, of creating and growing Indiana Runner? So Derek created Indiana Runner when he was in high school. He this is this is the infancy of the internet. You know, we're talking like two thousand, and he taught himself. Now anybody can make a website. Any loser can make a podcast. Even <laughs> Derek taught himself HTML and kind of invented Indiana Runner. Um, and so he had done that stuff for a while. And I remember when he was coaching, I was kind of like, Hey, can I do anything? And he was like, "Uh yeah, whatever. And actually how I kind of got started was I noticed like, Derek's like, well, these are the people that I know. This is what I'm interested in. This is, and he posted a lot of the stuff and it was about the boys. And I was like, well, why don't I, you know, do rankings or do postings or whatever about the girls. And that's kind of how I got my start. And that would have been you know, when I was like a junior or senior in high school. Okay. Um, in fact, this, the state meet my senior year, they did like a webcast, but it was, this was before, for years and years and years, they did like a, a, a online radio, audio only, radio broadcast of the state meet. And I called the girls state meet is a senior and then ran in the boys state meet the next the next day hmm. and i i think i've done Dang. every meet since then for the girls and i've done a lot of the boys too until i start coaching the boys okay <laughs> sorry I thought, I thought you were continuing um cool what uh i don't know i guess indiana runner has evolved over the years what do you envision the guess the role of Indiana runner or even the role of just like media in general in high school distance running yeah I mean I think it's about it's about positively promoting the sport and so Indiana runner is over 20 years old now um and in that time you know it started as Derek with kind of a html site that he taught himself how to do um, at one point we did get bought out by a website called Hoosier authority that was kind of trying to take over as like a hub for all of Indiana high school sports. Okay. Um, and that, that's when we started kind of like the, the broad, the broadcast, but it was audio only. 
for track, which was okay, but obviously it's not as good as having video and, and webcasts like we do now. Um, and then we ended up coming back. There were, you know, Derek took a lot of time away and kind of just other people unofficially ran Indiana runner. Um, and I would, I would help out. And then, and then I don't know how long it's been, maybe eight years, 10 years. Um, yeah, probably eight that Derek kind of came back, took some control and, and really kind of turned it into a business because in, in this time frame, there've been so many potential competitors to Indiana runner. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if competitors is the right word, almost even kind of uh, partners isn't the right word either, but like counterparts hmm. and they've all kind of come and gone by the wayside as I think people thought, well, there's so many other cool things. I've heard people say this, there's so many other cool things you could be doing. And it's like, yeah, be that as it may, people's interest in this kind of ebbs and flows and wanes. And um, a lot of these people realize like, yeah, it's, it's hard to get out to all these meets and take pictures and do videos and things like mm -hmm. that. But we've kind of concentrated on stuff that is easy to to replicate week after week and, and year after year um and so we there's four of us in terms of the ones that own this business mm -hmm. and um pacers lost in overtime by three in Philadelphia. man they're good this year they are good um that you know i i think we can kind of keep keep going for a while but what we found out is that we can't do it. We can't justify spending all of this time and doing it for free. Mm. And so we had to find some way to make enough money to justify, especially for me, the massive amount of time, you know, writing the, those capsules for the top 50 people, you, you can consume that whole document in like 15 minutes. Well, yeah. it takes a hell of a lot longer than 15 minutes to write it and sure. you you know you listen to the podcast each week and they're an hour but it takes more than an hour <laughs> to make it and to you know produce it and, and do all of that stuff and so what we've kind of come up with was well, we need to have some events and since we have an, a brand name that people are familiar with it we we make we make money from our our indoor meets essentially and that's that's mm. what does it but there's you know, there's, there's just, there's not any, there's very little money in advertising, um, okay. to, to make it that it's just the website itself isn't getting enough traffic. It's all on kind of new media. And then the message board is kind of what keeps up, keeps up interest. So keep, yeah. keep posting, just know if you post that I, I can look up here. <laughs> what, uh, what are some things that you guys have tried out through the years that like, maybe didn't work or maybe some things that you have thought about bringing back or uh we tried to have a coach's clinic and um that just didn't work as well the track coaches clinic is is all of track and um it's just kind of a social event and people just don't necessarily have the bandwidth for a second one and i think we knew that we weren't going to do it again the second year we tried it and our lineup was like, I think we had Weinheimer, Helmer, Taylor Marshall. Like we had this all-star lineup mm -hmm. and like 50% of the coaches were either from Westfield or Carmel. 
mm. which were the you know two of the people that own Indiana Runner, and it was just like okay, this 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 isn't making sense then. Um, we had a summer meet for a while. And that only worked because it was before Laverne started the night meet. And um, they basically let us have the course for free to, to, as a test run for the lights and a night meet. Um, There were, I mean, there was a decent amount of people there, but with the overhead costs, like the amount of in the amount of turnout you need to get, has got to be pretty high. So one of the things we're trying this year is our first, our, our, showcase meets distance showcase sprint showcase at the high school meet it's right after the high school season started but before the official competition season has started um but the first two meets in the past we've been like hey these are open meets anybody can do it and we would get like a a few kids that weren't in high school but it was mainly high school so now we're trying um in the morning there is a 14 and under meet Okay. So that like, if you're a kid that wants to run, but you're in sixth grade, well, I don't really want to go and get killed by a bunch of high school kids. But <laughs> now we're going to have races specifically for younger kids. Okay. So That's we'll, cool. we'll see what the turnout is for that. And even if the turnout, you know, even if the turnout's not there and we don't, we don't do any better. Um, we're still, that's still the purpose of the website, right? Is, is promoted, promoting the sport. Yeah. Um, for the Indiana Runner community, like people listen to this podcast or even post on the message boards, whatever, however they interact with Indiana Runner, how can they best support the website and the community, I guess? I mean, that's the main thing is, you know, for these high school coaches, you kids are into it as long as they're in high school Mm -hmm. and maybe for a couple of years after. But the people that are going to be into it for a long term and that have a have a stake in all of this, the coaches, you know, especially the younger coaches, like promoting it, promoting the meets, especially the showcase meets to their kids, I think I think is, is big. Okay. Yeah. But um, what we found out is that there's just like trying to go and if we do other events, they're just not there's just not a there's not a, a demand for that, which is you know, which is, which is fine, but basically everything, I'm the main content person and everything that I do is for free. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the podcasts, right. We make no money off the podcast, the rankings, the, uh, those, the top fifties, the preseason all state, which we didn't do this year because we had a second kid. Um, like, that's all we don't make any money off of that but what we what we make and we're not talking about like you know this is anybody's full-time job enough to justify doing it and then we want to keep coming back because we're making money off of these events yeah i guess it's a good time to tell you that i've I've been making millions of dollars on the side from this podcast got some private sponsors Uh, this is a good time to tell you that when you volunteer in track, you only work for Jimmy John's sandwiches. So it sounds like you can cover those. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna buy you Jimmy John's for every meet, but it sounds like you got that on, on lockdown. Yeah, I, I could buy Jimmy John's at this point. Yeah, I don't know what the valuation is. You could, you could buy. You could, not only could you buy Jimmy John's, you could go to countries and shoot rare animals, and uh, <laughs> pose with them on, and then get criticized for it, like the real Jimmy John. 
<laughs> I remember people telling me like, yeah, you shouldn't eat Jimmy John's because he does this. And I was like, is that, but they're not serving it in the sandwiches, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll probably just I didn't know that actually. I've listened to an interview. Yeah, he's, he's, he's actually, he's probably a bad guy. He's like a big game hunter. It's, it's, it's not good. That's not, yeah. It's not going to make me stop doing it. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> That's not too surprising. He's like a huge personality. Like this yeah. kind of people are a little, a little questionable. I mean, I, I think that there's, this is a whole nother podcast, but I, I think there's something about being so rich and so famous that like, it's the rare person that deals with that well. Which is me. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, like Elon Musk now is getting a lot of criticism and mm-hmm. it's just like, dude, wouldn't Bezos gets a lot of criticism too. Um, now Bezos isn't like, putting himself out there all that much but like mm-hmm. you know we that amount that amount of money that access that access to resources goods and services and resources like that probably make any of us crazy yeah yeah i mean just being this not, famous not me though me, yeah keep buying shoes in fort wayne <laughs> there you go cool well that's uh that's about all i have is there anything else you wanted to talk about no, I, I can show you, especially when you bring your laptop tomorrow, I can show you how to cut this in. If you want to cut this into two or three. Um, okay. Yeah, because I, you know, this is like, it's like the Bill the Bill Simmons podcast where he has two or three guests and they're like two hours long or whatever. But yeah, if you want to cut, if you want to cut that up, it's not, you know, it might make it more manageable. I don't know. Yeah. It's so hard to know if that like, because like, it seems like a lot of the biggest podcasts right now are ones that go like two, three, four hours. I never know if that's like they do that because it's a good thing and like people enjoy that or I mean I'm sure they have I'm sure they have whatever studies focus mm-hmm. groups not focus groups anyway was this 1995 you know demographic <laughs> studies or whatever that says this is the best way to do it and, and to monetize it obviously we're not yeah. you know we're we're not really monetizing it I so we start school tomorrow mm-hmm and um man i can't wait to get back to practice right that's a long time yeah like it's it, that's what's kind of weird weeks. about the track season is a lot of places start after thanksgiving or whatever and i don't know maybe a lot of schools are like hey no we're you know we're meeting over winter break but we just we don't really meet yeah. um our girls met a, a few days and I, I think a lot of times you know they only had like 10 or 12 people because it's just it's hard to get it kids are working or they're traveling or whatever it's hard to get a um a common time to meet but man i'm i'm i was looking through some of my stuff today and uh i'm looking for i'm looking forward to get back to practice yeah no me too it's been pretty nice out too like as far as not being too too cold too snowy yeah I re- we had teacher work days the last couple of days so i ran and uh yeah it's, that's what kathleen had asked me like that's like 40 some today and it was colder today than it had been the last few days. She's like, isn't that weird for January? <laughs> I was like four. I mean, 40 is not crazy, but it's, yeah, it's a little warmer than normal. Yeah. No, I should be so, good. I'm excited to see all the kids too. I think it's been, been forever. Yeah. I get a chance to interact with them, get, you know, mm-hmm. get started, start training. And then, um, and then geez, this could be a great track season for, for India boys and girls for Indiana. They yeah. Kind of like an all time, you know, potentially an all-time great individual distance runner on the boys' side, and then on the girls' side, just so many different individual contenders for these different events that are among the all-time greats. Yeah, 
Yeah, true. And ton of depth on both sides too. Yeah. Yep. And on yeah, Archie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Can't wait. Can't wait. Cool. Anything else? All right, man. No, that thanks for having me on. You've been doing a good job with these. I know this is kind of your idea and you just ran with it, but they've been uh they they've been cool. You've been you've been positively promoting the sport. <laughs> I try my best. It's kind of one of those things where like I don't know, it ebbs and flows. Like I when I'm doing it and like even after this, I'll be like, dang, I'm really glad I did that. Like this is a this is an enjoyable conversation. It's I don't know, we like we coach together every day, but learned a couple of things about you and just getting to to hang out is cool. But then there's like, oh man, and now I need to make another outline. There's some times I'm like, oh man. So it like it ebbs and flows, but overall I've like really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, so. that's, and that's the thing I'm thinking about. And I've kind of mentioned this on some of them, which is like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do the podcast that I do. Mm-hmm. And it, it may be that we still have it, but it's not twice a week. But I mean, like, you know, the guy that I'd said about like the two kids is more than twice as hard as one, like mm-hmm. every, every season, it's going to get harder to find an hour twice a week yeah, to sit and talk, you know, to somebody. Is that how and, much you do it during the track season twice a week? Um, I'd have to look as to what we did last year in the track yeah. season. It, it's just, it's not as big in the track season that. What I found looking through the numbers is that the most the most popular things are recap podcasts. Yeah. So for sure. Uh, and then the next thing is preview podcasts. And then the other ones are the other things, right? So if we do mm-hmm. a specialty one, you interview somebody or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's in those, you know, those recap ones can I continue to find a way to do those, you know, on Saturday after Saturday evenings after my kids have gone to bed? Well, that's obviously going to get tougher and tougher as they, you know, as they get older and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think, so I, I started really listening to the podcast like last year when I was in Baltimore. And for me, like you said, like the podcast or the recap episodes were most intriguing because it was like a way to keep up with the teams I was involved in, like an easy way to do that. Like I could listen and hear how Fishers or West Lafayette were doing. So it's right. And it's you, just like a broader know, appeal. You can see the results without listening to the podcast, but mm-hmm. I think it's like, okay, this, these guys are going to take it and they're going to kind of collect mm-hmm. it into. And then I think the other thing that's, that's appealing on the podcast on, you know, obviously on a really small level, it's five or 600 listens at the, at the max is that, you know, when the, the, the two, I guess I'm the host and then the most frequent guest, And it's like guys that are best friends that are clearly like, yeah, here they are. They're on the podcast and they're talking for an hour, but this is one of 20 hours this week. That they're, that <laughs> right. There's this easy back and forth that, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, when Taylor's on, or even when, you know, even when Derek's on, which is, you know, Derek, Derek knew me, you know, I was a 15 year old kid that there's kind of a history <laughs> there and our um, kind of grew up together that I, I think that's, that's, part of it so yeah that makes sense cool well i guess i'll see you tomorrow can't wait can't wait this is gonna be a good it's gonna be a fun track season that's yeah. my main thing every track season because i know the kids you know they put a lot of pressure on themselves in cross country but in track it's like let's just guys let's just find a way to have a fun track 
training well, preparing well, being consistent. Those are that those are all things that are part of it. Competing that's fun. Mm-hmm. Let's have a fun track season. Low pressure. Yep. Yep. I think a lot of guys have I don't know, set themselves up to have fun and also succeed. <laughs> so it should be should be good. Yep. For sure. Cool. All right, man. Go hounds. Go hounds. <laughs> Thank you.